Pro Wrestling Punditry, because it is your Thursday episode of The Winkly. I am your managing editor of WrestlingInc.com, Nick Hausman, and I am joined here this Thursday by my good friend, Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to The Winkly. You say the the best, most awesome, epic intro for the last day of The Winkly of the week. I guess you and Raj have one for tomorrow, so what am I saying last of the week? It's just been me every day this week, and I think I'm all out of ideas, Nick. I have no more. Winkly TV is different. It's a video version, and I don't usually give... That intro, this, um, I, I'm in front of a camera, and so it's usually something like, good morning, Wrestling Inc., you know, but maybe I can, I don't know, that kind of sounded like a high school principal's morning announcements there, you know. And today, we will be having pizza for lunch. Mm, yeah, that square pizza that kind of tastes just like nothing at all, pizza. You, you put ketchup on it because it's there? Mm. Gross. Mm. Um, we also have uh, fried fish and green peas. <laughs> Uh, school what we're saying is this podcast makes a great companion to your high school lunch. Yeah, right. Awesome. Good, good segue. And with that, if you're not having a high school lunch, which I would imagine is the large majority of the people listening to the show, uh, we got a great one for you here today. We're going to talk the news here in just a moment. We also have two interviews to wrap up the Winkly podcast this week. First of all, right after the news, you're going to get to hear me talk to former six-time WWE Hardcore Champion, the new owner of OVW, Ohio Valley Wrestling, and uh, the contributor for the mo- the book Moving Forward, uh, it is Al Snow. Al Snow will be here. We're going to be talking about a-, a whole bunch of things that I know you're going to enjoy. Uh, also, right after my interview with Al, our own Scott Fishman is back. He has sat down with F4W Wrestling Observer's Brian Alvarez, who's talking about his new book. Uh, I did write it down, but I think it's 100 Things Every Pro Wrestling Fan Should Do Before They Die. I think I nailed it, actually. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you were, if you, if you had to recommend one thing that a pro wrestling fan had to do in their life before they died, what would that thing be for you, Michael? Yeah, I mean, it's obvious. First thing jumped to mind, obviously WrestleMania, sure. right? That's the thing you've got to do. It's, it is the biggest wrestling event in the world, arguably of the year, every year. And it's just such an event and spectacular thing to go see. Sure. Take a chop. If you haven't done that, <laughs> go find a wrestler, chop you. Then you're in. I, never taken a chop. Then you haven't lived, my friend. You need to go take a chop. You need to go find a, someone to chop you. I'll chop you. <laughs> Hell, I'll chop you. Can you can you deliver a real chop, though, there, Nick? Dude, I am prolific for my chops. Honestly, I have dished out a lot of chops in my life. I've taken a fair amount of chops in my life as well. But I, I deliver a very good chop. And uh, I've definitely been around uh, college friends, uh, magicians, uh, just rooms of people where a lot of alcohol is flowing in general. And I've, I've definitely said, woo, uh, I want to dish out some chops. Who wants to take some chops? That's 100% happened in my life. All right. Actually, You're on. Woo! Who wants some chops? I'll take a chop. I'll chop you. You're a big guy. All right. Anyway. <laughs> so that was good. Good opening banter Going into here. character. I like it. This is good. Good opening banter here. So there's our interviews for today, but let's get to it here. News you can use. News that'll leave. A bruise. The Wrestling Observer reporting uh, some info here on two... Uh, SummerSlam matches that we were discussing yesterday, and we've got a little bit more clarity on here. So, uh, yesterday we were discussing Fallout from SmackDown. Roman Reigns was attacked, sci-fi, sci-fi style. I'm going to guess it was Flying Piranhas that came at him. No, it wasn't Flying Piranhas. It was 
Daniel Bryan, apparently. Daniel Bryan's going to be revealed as Reigns' attacker. Uh, Reigns versus Bryan is being advertised for live events into the fall, including both Raw and SmackDown television tapings at Madison Square Garden in early September, as well as the upcoming WWE live event at the Findlay Toyota Center in Prescott Valley, Arizona, on September 28th. I feel uh, vindicated here. I threw this out yesterday, and uh, here we we are. I, I think this is a good pairing. You know, I'm disappointed because yesterday or two days ago, Roman Reigns was talking about knocking out a cameraman on the set of Hobbs and Shaw. There were all these rumors on the Twitterverse yesterday about how maybe the cameraman was seeking revenge. Hence why there were so many great camera shots of this attack on Roman Reigns from Tuesday night, because who would have better access to all of that than an actual cameraman? Wow. So I kind of like the Roman Reigns, Hobbs and Shaw cameraman feud building up SummerSlam. But, you know, Daniel Bryan will be a good substitute instead of that dude. Wow. I hadn't even fallen down that rabbit hole, but mm-hmm. you know what? There's something to that or maybe even bray wyatt right because he's like always systematically shutting down uh, the electronics in the building just just speculating but uh here we go yeah it looks like daniel bryan roman reigns uh this is gonna wow an 18 wheeler just like blasted uh outside uh we are (laughs) there is we heard it too i i very clearly came through (laughs) that scared the crap out of me (laughs) jesus daniel bryan roman reigns this is what's gonna go down here at SummerSlam. Uh, Daniel Bryan needed something to elevate his stock. You know, the tag team run was what it was. It never really seemed to have resonated. I like these two together here. I guess we're going to get the reveal on the SmackDown before SummerSlam and go right into it, which means, which says to me that I think Bryan's going to pick up the victory here at SummerSlam. It would be way, way, way too early for this thing to get set up and knocked down with Roman Reigns getting the victory. Yeah, I, I 100% agree, although Roman Reigns has been kind of up. But I guess he got the win last month with Taker. The thing for me about all this, again, I love the matchup here. Reigns and Bryan, they will have a great match, and and you know they're both main event-level talent, so it will feel like a big deal. But why are you waiting until literally the episode days before SummerSlam yeah. to announce this match? Number one, because you could have a longer build just from a promotional standpoint. But number two, you could do a lot with this feud, and instead you're doing nothing because both of these guys are in very different positions than they were when they feuded a few years back over the championship. So I I like the pairing, but I think they're shortchanging themselves in the build here, and I wonder if it's just because they didn't know what they wanted to do until literally a week ago. Yeah, yeah, and you you might be right about that. I I found it very odd that 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 was being reported here. And then the other bout here that we got some clarity on is it does sound like Dolph Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler is actually going to wrestle Bill Goldberg. That's going to be his opponent at SummerSlam. The match is being kept quiet to this point. Even the if even the official internal lineup sheet is still listing Ziggler versus Miz. But Meltzer here saying, yeah, this is going to be the bout. Ziggler, Goldberg, I would guess we get that announced on, on what? This on Raw? The Daniel Bryan thing on SmackDown next week? That is just, that's some, I, you know, I hate to say hot shotting, but that's some hot shot going on in the last week before SummerSlam. I actually speculate that Bill Goldberg will not be announced until SummerSlam itself. It reminds me a lot of the Undertaker John Cena rumors from last year and how they did not. You didn't know if Taker was going to show up and there are rumors and all of a sudden, yeah, they had Taker versus John Cena at WrestleMania. I think they're going to do something similar here. We're going to see The Miz come out maybe on Sunday and say, actually, Dolph, I have somebody who's going to take my place tonight. And boom, there's Bill Goldberg. Why, again, you would not advertise a legend like Bill Goldberg wrestling on your second biggest show of the year is a little bit puzzling to me. I get you're going to get a cheap pop out of this, like, oh, people who didn't know Bill Goldberg's going to be there. He shows up. But for somebody who is a draw like Goldberg, say what you will about what he's accomplished in the ring as of late or his match in Saudi Arabia, right? Bill Goldberg is still a draw to a lot of fans. And why you would not advertise that weeks out is beyond my comprehension. 
Yeah, agreed. And, you know, I, I think there may be something to what you're saying there. I could see them doing it as a surprise at SummerSlam itself. You know, it does, you know, now that you kind of pointed out, it does have a lot of the same kind of tea leaves that we've seen for other surprise appearances like this. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you know, again, it's like I could see them do the thing that Miz said, right? Brings Ziggler out from Miz TV and it's like, I have big breaking news for you here on Miz TV. You're not going to face me at SummerSlam. It's going to be Bill Goldberg because, you know, it could go either way. Surprise at SummerSlam, a couple days build the few days before. Either way, yeah, you know, uh, on a card, I, I mean, I don't want to say a card that's lacking because it seems like a pretty stacked card, but there's not, the story, look, the, on paper, these are there's a lot of cool matches, but the stories to get to those matches at the show haven't clicked to me on the same level of the talent involved in the bouts. Does that make sense? 100% agree, right? Great on paper, but my interest in the storylines and the seeing the payoff at SummerSlam is just not there from that same perspective. You know, and, and in the past when they've done the, like, who who attacked uh, Roman Reigns, who who killed J Vince McMahon, you know, all those who done it, you know, who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, there've been a little tongue-in-cheek, you know, and all kind of that, you know, goofiness, but they've always re seemed to have resonated with fans and gotten them more on the hook. I have read from so many people on, on social media stuff, and granted, you know, maybe social media is a proliferation of the problem but you know just how hokey this came across it didn't it did it doesn't have the fun kind of oh man i can't wait to find out you know who shot mr burns that kind of deal uh it just the people are just kind of rolling their eyes i feel like at, at the way this thing's getting set up at least at the moment yeah and i think that just again this speaks to the way it was delivered on screen and, and you can contrast this with the big moment a couple of weeks ago where Braun Strowman and bobby lashley got pushed through the screen on top of the stage right People react to that in a very positive, a surprisingly positive way from my perspective, yeah. which tells me the fans want to see these things succeed. You're just not giving them enough reason to let them buy into it yet. Well, and that one looked real and gritty, right? right. You know, when they went right. through it and then you had the long, steady shot backstage. This one, again, it was like I could have seen the flying piranhas from Piranhas 2 <laughs> attacking Roman Reigns. It's a real I think thing. it's interesting they're doing all this on SmackDown as well. We've talked about maybe Fox not getting cold feet, but Fox being a little bit worried about lagging ratings and the negative reaction to WWE as of late and the popularity of AEW, all those things, right? You wonder, is WWE doing all this stuff on SmackDown to kind of double down with Fox and say, no need to worry, in a month and a half and we're with you guys full time, everything's going to be good, look at all the stuff we're doing. Goldberg being advertised for a SmackDown feud, right? It's all about SmackDown right now, guys. Yeah. Well, let's talk about SmackDown and Fox. The Wrestling Observer reporting the plan is to go back to split rosters once SmackDown debuts on Fox. There may be some minor crossover between the rosters, but the idea is that things won't be like they are right now, a.k.a. I guess what was once the wild card rule. Uh, there may be a few minor roster changes right, at, right before things settle in, but it's believed that there won't be many roster moves, and the current rosters will largely be what Raw and SmackDown will have. Interesting. Uh, I, I, I like to read that report, but man, they have changed their mind on this on a dime so many times. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. The wild card rule just never made a whole lot of sense to me. And it felt very much like a gut reaction to, oh crap, we've got to do something tomorrow night to alleviate the lagging ratings and Vince McMahon and to alleviate the suits at USA. Right. And so their immediate reaction was to bring out Roman Reigns and their top stars on both shows. And I don't think it's worked. You know, it's it's I watch SmackDown. I watch Raw. I can tell they kind of want to be different shows, but the stars are showing up on both hands. And I don't know what stories to follow on which night. And this makes me sound really dumb. Right. But as a fan, 
if you're going to make these shows feel different, we talked yesterday about the new camera techniques they might be using, how Fox is going to present it more as a sport, how they're going to be on entirely different. They're owned by entirely. Well, I guess Fox now and, and Disney and all that jazz, but owned by entirely different networks. Right. Um, it makes sense that you would want to make these rosters have a little more delineation, a little more separation here. So I think this, this wild card thing, if you'd never done that, this would be a very sensical next step. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I think the, you know, again, it's like they were getting so much blowback in that weird period of time. You know, this when USA started putting in their ideas, the 24 seven title raw reunion and Fox is getting its bearings here in the WWE landscape. And nobody wants to not have Roman Reigns. He's the prettiest girl at the ball. So like, <laughs> you know, I, I think that there was some confusion there. Now kind of maybe seeing some blowback, maybe everybody kind of getting a, a better vibe of, of the things going forward. Maybe the, the Heyman Bischoff hires, you know, uh, whether they're going to actually be able to do what is described. But the idea that, yeah, you know, we have these guys heading each brand. They need to be separate brands. Maybe that did give WWE a little bit of credence to go back to the table and say, when we get uh, when we get into this, this new platform here, we, we've got to keep these things separate for storyline continuity's sake, for all kinds of, of creative reasonings, you know? Absolutely. And it gives you more opportunities to do things like special crossover events, right? We talked about the Raw reunion feeling like a special episode and how they brought all these legends back. If you have separate rosters, you can do crossover shows and those will feel unique without having to add any old or different talent. Just bring the two rosters together a couple of times a year for shows like Summer or for Survivor Series as well. Things like that where they can fight against each other. It gives you more opportunity to do that while you're also building up the unique aspects of both rosters and those individual wrestlers on those rosters. Uh, well, Sports Illustrated caught up uh, with Braun Strowman. Uh, Braun said he wants to main event WrestleMania 36 against Drew McIntyre. Now, TMZ caught up with The Rock, who was asked who he thought WWE's next big star is. And he said, personally, I like Drew McIntyre. I think he's got a great look, a great build, and especially as he continues to hone in on his craft and connect with the audience, which is always the most important thing. McIntyre responded, in all of the conversations about the biggest movie of the summer, I appreciate such high praise from the great one. We could all learn a thing or two from this work ethic. All it takes is all you got. Um, well, I mean, Braun Strowman, Drew McIntyre, cool, love it. But, man, this is really high praise from The Rock. Put Drew McIntyre, I thought, in a nice spotlight and uh, makes you think. You know, is is you know he's kind of had some not so great booking here since his return back. I mean, he's looked strong, but never been able to to put away the big one. Is it time to really start, you know, resetting the tracks here and get behind this guy? It's funny, Braun Strowman coming out here saying, "I want a main event WrestleMania against Drew McIntyre." It feels like I'm announcing myself for the Royal Rumble, right? Every year these guys do things like they they just. Uh, announce and indicate, you know, it's like I declare bankruptcy, right? Like on, on Michael Scott in the office, I declare I want to be in the main event at WrestleMania. And I just think it's so funny when, when talent does that. But to your point about Drew McIntyre and the high praise from The Rock, Drew McIntyre is a beast and he feels like he is the prototypical WWE superstar. And to your point about bad booking, I'm surprised they've not done more or done better with him in the time that he's been back because it felt like Drew had issues in his first run with WWE. You heard the rumors of him kind of having an ego and his whole gimmick about being the chosen one kind of carrying over into real life. And then he left. I, I think he was let go. Um, he went out in the indies and he did great work out there in the indies. Not only did he grow as a professional wrestler and his talent in the ring and his talent on the mic, he grew as an individual. If you talk to him during that time, I was lucky enough to interview him at WrestleCade and a few other places. He was talking about all the development he was doing on himself. And you saw these indie organizations, both stateside and abroad, 
get behind him as a result. So when he came back into NXT, you're like, damn, dude, he is ready for the main event picture. He's going to simmer here for a hot minute, and they're going to put him on the main roster. And they've not done that. So I'm so excited to see somebody like The Rock prop Drew McIntyre up. I 100% think he should be in the main event at WrestleMania 36. I think he's got the entire package. And I would love to see WWE do something meaningful with him moving forward. Maybe comments from The Rock help spark that revolution. Comments from The Rock are one thing. If I'm Drew McIntyre, I'm firing back a little bit and saying, all right, you want to put me over on the mic? Why don't you come back and put me over in the ring? You know? You know yeah, sure, as sure. We're, as we're talking here about how to elevate this guy right now and get him past some kind of the, you know, 50-50 booking that a lot of talents get mired in in WWE, you know, I start to think, you know, what would a, a you know, I don't think you need to have a, necessarily a feud but a, a match with John Cena with three, four weeks build with Drew McIntyre saying he's there to, to, to take his spot. You know, does a win over a Cena, does a win over a Rock, a couple big wins here and some, some good mic work with bigger players. Is, is that what you need to do with this guy? 100% think it is, right? Because you mentioned the 50-50 booking. They've done that so much with him. He was Dolph's lackey. They've not. He was Shane McMahon's lackey. Let this dude stand on his own as the beast that he is. McIntyre's response here, I had seen The Rock's comments yesterday, then I saw McIntyre's response, and, and I didn't know how McIntyre would respond. I was really hoping Drew would come back with something in character and, and kind of say something to your point, maybe not challenge The Rock, but say, I don't give a crap what he thinks out in Hollywood. I'm here to blah, 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 dominate the scene here in WWE. He did not. He, he kind of took it more as an earnest comment back, but that would be a hot feud, and it would actually put The Rock's money where his mouth is and help elevate McIntyre as a result. Yeah, put me over in the ring, man. You like me so much? Help me get over. That'd be great. Uh, well, TMZ uh, also caught up with Roman Reigns, The Rock's cousin. Uh, Reigns said he can see himself working a full-time WWE schedule for at least five more years. So that's good news for WWE. And uh, he'd be uh, on the main roster in five years for at least over a decade at that point, you know. And, you know, these guys, they have a shelf life from their age standpoint. Roman Reigns is still pretty young. So I also think John Cena is one of those rare talents that was around for a very long time before leaving. You go back to the Attitude Era. The modern age of wrestling is only about 25 years old. Where we're still seeing weekly TV the way that we do. And so... You know, back in the day, Ric Flair, he was in the main event picture, but not with one company. He was floating around, and the same with Hulk Hogan and all these other talents. So somebody talking about Roman Reigns being on Raw for 10, 15 years, that's crazy talk. I like this five more years comment, but I also expect Roman Reigns, if he's seen the success that we think he will from being in Hobbs and Shaw with The Rock, I would not be surprised to see him take more time off during that quote-unquote full-time schedule to maybe do some other side film projects. So that way, in maybe five years, you see him transitioning the same way we've seen The Rock and John Cena do. I would like, I would be interested to see from the time that The Rock did The Scorpion King to when he transitioned out of WWE as a full-time performer. I'd like to see that timeline. I'd like to see John Cena's uh, from the moment he took The Marine, which is a little different. Um, maybe you could even like trace it to his first like non WWE role, which I guess would have been like that. Uh, uh, was it that Christmas movie with like Baron Holtz? Maybe I don't know, but I'd like to see the the timeline there for or even uh, well Batista's whole different story. But with Cena and Rock uh, or even Hulk Hogan, I'd love to see the timeline of when uh, you know they first see Hollywood success to how long it took before they were eventually not with the company that much longer after it, you know? It sounds like you're pitching me a, a editorial here right on the air. <laughs> this is very, <laughs> yes, for those that are listening, this is loosely what I do most Monday mornings with Michael and a couple <laughs> other guys on the site. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. put the, put the, put the dots together here, you know, realistically, what, do, how long does it take from the time somebody sees Hollywood success 
to them transitioning out of the full-time schedule because every guy always says i'm a wwe guy for life and then eventually they're just part-time you know? right so, right yeah. and, it's, and it's different to you know a guy like john Cena. yeah that's an interesting place to go i think roman reigns is doing it right though by kind of dipping his toe out there while still in the prime of his career at wwe uh, well, you brought up Ric Flair earlier. Scott Dawson made a comment about his good friend Arn Anderson. Scott Dawson tweeted out, Arn taught us well. See you soon, double A. Now, Arn Anderson is, of course, reportedly being paid a severance package from WWE and signed a non-disclosure agreement that prevents him from discussing his WWE release. But it is believed that he will start working with AEW when he's able to. He also has a podcast coming up with StarCast founder Conrad Thompson that's going to premiere later this year. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Just working everybody here? Just throwing, throwing red meat to the base. <laughs> well, I think it ties. Um, interestingly, uh, you know, I think it ties interestingly into your next story here on the run sheet. Okay. Well, the next story here <laughs> on the run sheet is that the Young Bucks and Omega uh, are set to take on Chris Jericho and two mo- two mystery opponents on AEW's TNT uh, debut uh, in October. Jericho tweeted, "You're not going to believe who I'm planning on bringing in." Wait, I hadn't put these two together. Are you insinuating that the revival? <laughs> Could be Chris Jericho's mystery partners here for this AEW TNT debut? I do not think at all it could be. I've seen a lot of rumors about, you know, Lucha Bros and and things like that, which make a lot more sense if you look at the indie scene the way it is. But there's that part of you that wants to believe, especially with them teasing. Lucha Bros, exciting, right? But not the kind of splash that if you tease two mystery partners for Chris Jericho and then you show up with two WWE guys on your debut episode – that's incredible. And and I don't know how you do it from a contract perspective, right? Because these guys are under contract with WWE. I don't know if you can throw money at the situation to make it better. Um, but it feels like they're teasing that. I don't think it's going to happen. But doesn't it seem like that's what you first think of when you say you're not going to believe who I'm planning on bringing in and the rumors about Scott Dawson and, and the revival wanting to leave WWE at some point? Well, I mean, okay, sure. Uh, I, I believe that the revival will be, if they haven't signed contracts yet, which they may have, I still think they'd be with WWE to at least 2020. Uh, part of me thought uh, maybe Hall and Nash, right, is a throwback for your first, especially with TNT and everything like that. Uh, maybe the Outsiders making a surprise appearance here. I thought maybe the Rock and Roll Express, right? That's mm-hmm. a fun one that, that always tickles uh, that, that fan base. Uh, but then I also thought, you know, I don't really know what the ROH New Japan relationship is at the moment we did have the flip gordon interview earlier this week where flip did talk about how there does seem to sound like there's plans about sending talent back and forth but wouldn't it be cool if it was like an okada and a naito that came out just like two big new japan names that nobody would expect as as chris jericho's backup yeah and kind of cement that they are in a partnership with a more meaningful partnership with new japan that would be fantastic i like that yeah you know i'm just trying to think outside the box here about you know i i saw some people say lax um, I did speak with Josh Alexander, uh, half of the Impact Tag Champions, uh, a day or so ago. That interview will run next week, either Tuesday or Wednesday. Don't quote me for gospel. But he uh, talked about LAX like they were still part of the Impact roster, which I thought was interesting because that was the first. Because uh, I had heard rumblings that LAX may not actually be done with Impact Wrestling. But he kind of was like, yeah, Santana's injured. You know, Ortiz was tagging with another guy. We did a tag match there. So, I mean, I don't know that it would be LAX. Well, but that's a hot commodity that somebody coming in from a different company organization associated with being in Impact Wrestling would make a splash. I just think if you're Chris Jericho, again, to your point about Scott Dawson saying see you soon, if it's, if their contract ends in 2020, that makes a little bit more sense. But with Chris Jericho going out of his way to tease, you're not going to believe who I'm planning on bringing in, and AEW doubling down on this mystery about two guys teaming in this main event level match – 
I, you know, the part of you just wants to believe AEW is going to go all in and just do something incredible here. My guest at this time is a former WWE European tag team and six-time hardcore champion. It is Al Snow. Al, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Uh, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. <laughs> my pleasure. Before we get to my questions, Al, uh, I wanted to share a personal story I have about you. Is that okay? Sure, yeah. Okay. As long as it's you know not going to get me arrested. No, you know, no, no. I don't think it'll get you arrested. Um, but... <laughs> I used to okay. have the I used to have the pleasure of doing some managing here in the Midwest. I worked with Blitz and, and GLCW, uh, with Hero, and I worked a couple matches with you when I was managing, and okay. and um, I have a very fond memory of you, where I don't really remember what the match was. I'm pretty sure it was in Juliet, but you were on the second rope, and I uh, okay. I was out of position and I had to go choke you on the second rope, and. Okay. And uh-huh. I got there real fast, and I started choking you. And the timing, even though I was out of place, worked out really well. And while I'm choking you, you said, uh, "Thank you." And it was, uh, it was, it, it, it totally, it totally caught me off guard in that moment to be choking you like that because I was already frazzled. I remember for you to thank me, and it always just it stuck with me. And I wanted to share that with you here today. <laughs> Why well, I. I uh... I'm glad that it was a, a positive experience and not a negative one. You know, why you were choking me? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, I always had good memories of working with you, Al. Um, so anyway, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk more wrestling stuff. Uh, but how did you get involved with this book? Moving forward, real introductions to made-up books. Uh, well, my friend John Chapman, the author of the book, he uh, contacted me, and you know what? He contacted me and wanted me to write one of the forewords for an imaginary book. And quite honestly, like I put it off and I put it off and I put it off. And because I'm, I'm terrible as far as procrastination and not to mention, um, you know, overwhelmingly busy, but um, John just kept after me, kept after me, kept after me. And, uh, and I'm so glad that he did. I really um, read the book when it finally came out, I was very entertained. I thought it was very interesting, very unique, something different. Yeah. Um, you know, some of them are very funny. And uh, and then to be included in the group of people that he had asked to write these uh, forwards, I, when I saw, you know, everybody that had done one, I was really, really flattered. And uh, I was very, very happy and very pleased that he, he stayed on me. And... Uh, and got me to do it. Um, you know, I, I just could not, for whatever reason, writer's block or whatever, I just couldn't come up with an idea of what it was that I was going to write. And then all of a sudden I said, said, woke up one morning and I was like, this is what I'm going to write. Because he wanted me to write about Patrick Duffy because yeah. we have an ongoing joke, um, about how much I idolize Patrick Duffy and, um, and Simon McCorkendale. And uh, um, so I sat down and, and literally wrote the forward to a book um, for Patrick Duffy. So now, now just to slow down here for a second for everybody out there that may be a little bit confused, uh, can you can you tell everybody like what the premise of this book is? Because it's like a very unique thing. It's not a straightforward type book. Yeah, um, the 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 premise for the book is that um, every book has a forward. Uh, F-O-R-E-W-R-D, uh, written by 
um, someone that the book that that the book's about uh, or or knows something of the topic and writes a forward. It, it for the publishers, it's kind of a way where you know it helps to sell a book, where um, a person who's buying it goes, oh wow, I get kind of a little short story by this person and I get the whole book by this other person. Mm-hmm. And um, then John decided, had the idea of making, you know, he went around and he got a bunch of different celebrities. I mean, uh, and big name, not me, mind you, but lots of big name celebrities. I'm surprised I was grouped in there um, to write these uh, forwards for these fictional books. Um, as if they were, you know, real. And that's all it is, a collection of uh, these forwards that these celebrities have written. And um, some of them are really funny um, and they're really good. And then some of them you actually kind of go, hmm, I wonder if there is a book out there like that because (laughs) that'd be kind of fun to read. (laughs) Um, You want to name drop a couple of the other people that are in this book? Because you're right, uh, you're really in uh, quite a collection of folks here. Uh, let me think here. Um, God, there's, I'm trying to remember all, cause there are a lot of people. Um, here, I'll pull up, I'll pull up the press release that I've got right now. Cause it's, I know Moby for sure was one that was right on the top of it. Yeah. Moby eye. was one. Um, who else would be, uh, there were a lot. I saw Jerry Springer. Uh, I know Jerry Springer was another one. I mean, there was a, Oh, Jerry was, Springer. Yep. Jerry Springer. And then here, wait, yeah. I got it. I've got it. Here we go. They gave me the book moving forward. We got Daryl Hammond, John Oates, Adam yep. West, the late yeah. Adam West. Yeah. Adam West. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Shirley Manson, big fan of a child of the nineties. Obviously Shirley Manson. Bruce, great. Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. I remember, um, gosh, uh, Thomas Lennon, um, Jonathan Knight from the New Kids on the Block. Uh, you know, just trying to off the top of my head. Mary Lambert. Um, there, there was a lot of them. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the, there were really a lot of interesting people. Yeah, the the uh, the actual forward, I suppose, is written by uh, uh, Rain Wilson from The Office, who's hilarious. So yeah. Uh, um, well, why yeah. now? Now, part of this book here was like the the phrase "never meet your heroes." Is that like a common thing that comes up across several of these? Uh, no, these they're all. You mean with the uh, the different books that they wrote forwards for? No, they're all different. Oh, okay. They're, you know, everybody wrote a literally a different kind of uh, forward for a different kind of book. Okay. I just wrote uh, the "never meet your heroes." Um, you know, the forward for the "never meet your heroes" because it was. Uh, kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of an idea of me uh, idolizing Patrick Duffy to the point to where I was yeah. willing to stalk him, yeah. you know, and uh, to the point to where I uh, was being taken out in handcuffs yeah. uh, at one point. Yeah, I read that. Well, see, they, really s- the they sent me the excerpt. I've read your I've read your portion of the book. That's why I was just trying to get a little clarity because again, it's like a small piece of like this much bigger puzzle here. Why Why Patrick Duffy? Yeah, I, I mean, like I'm a Patrick Duffy. Why fan. Why I, not? Okay, come on, seriously. Okay. Let's let's explain Patrick Duffy. Let's explain the Duff, shall we? Sure. Okay. The Patrick Duffy was uh, in the one of the greatest television shows that lasted like one, maybe two episodes, and that's The Man from Atlantis. Okay. I don't know if anybody is old enough to remember The Man from Atlantis. Yeah. But it was spectacular. Okay. It was on NBC. 
It had about a two-week run, and then it was summarily canceled. Now, why do I idolize him? Because he went from that on to have a career and was on Dallas, the number one television show. They shot his character, killed him off, and literally made it a dream sequence because there was such a backlash. Now, normally any actor that would have done Man from Atlantis would have been done, finished. To me, that's it. He's, he's not going any further forward. But he ends up as the top guy in Dallas, and he's with Victoria Principal, who's super hot. And then when that series is over, starts another uh, uh, series, a sitcom, with Suzanne Summers, who, who is incredibly hot. Yeah. So, yeah. You can't get any more over than Patrick Duffy. See, I mean, come on. See, that's the thing is the show you're Other than Summers. Simon McCorkendale. Simon McCorkendale did Manimal, okay. uh, another great NBC series that lasted about three episodes <laughs> and then went on to be on Falcon Crest with a lot of incredibly attractive women, too. So there you go. Well, that Suzanne Summers sitcom, that was step by step. That was a big part of my childhood as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really thought the Atlanta yes. show was made up. When I read that, I was like, oh, that sounds like a delightful. No. No, that was a real show. I went and Googled it. it. You know? Yeah. It is a real show, yes. You can watch <laughs> You can watch clips of Man from Atlantis with Patrick Duffy on YouTube. Uh, all right. Well, if you enjoyed that, then you've got to find this book because this is only a tip of the iceberg, I promise, <laughs> for what Al has written about his <laughs> fandom for Patrick Duffy here. Um, now, you, you recently I need to, I need to call up ECW Press. They, they occasionally send me uh their their forwards the press copies of their books i didn't get yours yet um but how how was it oh, writing, okay. how was it writing about your autobiography do you have a right i mean you're you're friends with mick foley is he got if you got the writing bug like him uh i don't know if i have the writing bug per se it was it was uh a very interesting process i was surprised that it took as long as the process does which was uh, basically about a year from start to finish um um, it took a lot of time, uh, probably, you know, I would work on the book probably three times a week, two to three hours at a time, mm-hmm. um, going through it and, uh, you know, trying to, um, trying to make it as honest. That was a big, big thing for me. I wanted to make it as honest and as direct and open and, uh, and also, but make it entertaining make it fun not like a lot of typical wrestling books are uh you know very dark um they take a uh, they almost treat wrestling the performers almost treat wrestling like it's a cross that they've got a bear yeah and uh i wanted to wanted to communicate just how blessed i was to get to do what i've done for as long as i've gotten to done it do it and you know and uh the choices and the, the decisions and the experiences that I've uh, done, or I guess you know, uh, made during uh, and had um, during that my 37 year career of how that's basically made me into the person that I am, that's so and cool. the viewpoint that I take on life. Dude, that's so cool, Al. I actually I, I accidentally sat in on one of your seminars too back in the day, and I listened to you to talk to the wrestlers for an hour or so. I'm scared to take bumps, so I didn't take anything, but. I know you. I know you have a fantastic. <laughs> I know you have a fantastic mind for the business. I mean, you're such a creative guy. And, and correct me if I'm wrong here. Did you buy Ohio Valley Wrestling about a year ago? Uh, last year, I bought OVW Ohio Valley Wrestling, and um, we are 
I believe today we will be getting our actual accreditation as a, a, a trade school, an accredited trade school. Um, and um, that then we are going to create, a, we have a two-year two year curriculum um, for the trade school um, so that uh, athletes can come, uh, men and women, um, and they can uh, not only learn. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.